Welcome to this special edition of Salt and Light Radio, the Canadian Catholic radio program. I am your host, Pedro Guevara Man. We are soon to be celebrating our first anniversary, and with the new year, we thought we'd replay some of our favorite interviews from last year. We started last week and found out that we had so many we wanted to replay that we're doing it again this week. So, it's a good opportunity for those of you who are new to Salt and Light Radio to hear what we do best. And if you've been with us for a while now, then it's a good opportunity to remember and celebrate. So let's begin. One of the trademarks of Salt and Light Radio is our opening commentary. And one of the most memorable ones had to do with one major popular culture news item of last year. Remember Susan Boyle? It's April 25th, and if you haven't heard the name Susan Boyle, You are living under a rock. Her performance on the show Britain's Got Talent has got everyone speaking about the underdog and how how we judge a book by its cover. She walks out on stage. The reactions among the audience and the three judges are horrible. No one expects this ordinary-looking woman to be able to sing. But when she starts to sing, the mockery turns into shock and then praise. But why are we shocked? Because she looks plain? because she's not glamorous, because she's 47 years old. But that doesn't mean she can't have a beautiful voice. We have so many expectations and preconceived notions. We draw conclusions so quickly and then we're floored when they don't fit. And that's why I love stories like this. It keeps us on our toes. It reminds us that things are not always what they seem. God has given each of us talents and abilities to share with others. And these talents and abilities come in all sorts of different packages. And despite the fact that I'm convinced that the whole show is fixed, right now, Susan's talents are bringing great joy to a lot of people. And perhaps more importantly, reminding us not to be so fast in passing judgment. I'm Pedro Guevara Man, and this is Salt and Light Radio. A popular topic here at Salt and Light Radio is anything that has to do with pro-life issues. We are a pro-life radio program, and probably one of my most favorite interviews was last February when we spoke to a 12-year-old girl, Leah, who had written a pro-life speech for her school and then posted it on YouTube. You're listening to Salt and Light Radio on the Catholic Channel, Sirius 159 and XM 117. Over 460,000 views on YouTube, a video posted in English, Spanish, Polish, and Portuguese. What video is it? 12-year-old speaks out on the issue of abortion. It is a speech that Leah, a grade 7 student, prepared for her school. And it is not a Christian school. Joining us on Salt and Light Radio is Leah and her mom, Kim. Welcome, you two. Thank you. Um, can you brief- briefly explain to us what, how this all came about? Yeah, Leah was asked to do a class project, as her whole class was, and um, part of the project was an optional speech contest. Right. During that time, she picked a topic, and she wanted to do the topic of abortion. Mm-hmm. She was asked to um, select a different topic because the teacher thought it was, you know, too, pro- you know, too controversial, too big, uh-huh. you know, perhaps too mature for a twelve-year-old to handle. Right. And um, and so her teachers worked with her to. Pro- try to find a new topic for her. I even was at home trying to help her find a new topic. Um, And she was actually told that if she was to progress with that topic of abortion, she could do her class 
project, but she would not be able to go on and do the speech competition. But she did anyway. Yeah, we were all kind of surprised when she just announced, no, nope, I'm going to do it. So, Leah, maybe I can ask you this. Um, you wrote the speech all by yourself. Mm-hmm. Well, I had a bit of help. My mom helped me with the format. Um, it was based on Romans 9, where there's a question and you answer it. Right. Um, and so, and I also had my teacher help me stay under the five-minute time limit. Right, right. Now, let me ask you this. Why did you pick this topic? Um, it's something that I've always, I've been passionate about. I've seen Lou Engel um, talk about it uh-huh. on a movie once, and I took part in a life, uh, life tape siege. Yeah. And so, it's something I've I've always been passionate about, and so when this this opportunity came up, I thought that it'd be a great thing to to do, and yeah. I'd be able to share my my um, my view. Yeah, your view, <laughs> which, which 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 is different from other people's view. Mm-hmm. Um, now, your teachers told you that this probably wasn't a good idea. So why did you ignore them, and why like why was this so important to you? Well, I've always had problems with com- um, being. Um, too competitive. And oh, really? <laughs> yeah. I like competitions. But um, God's really been helping me to learn how to step down, as well as my parents. They've, they've just shown me that I don't need someone else to, to like, give me an award or something to make sure that I feel better or I feel good about myself. So I thought that it's more important to serve God than to serve people. Right, so. so you weren't interested in the award, you weren't interested in moving on in the competition, you were interested in, in, in sharing God's Word. Yeah. Um, uh, d- I'm just going to, uh, for, for any listeners that might be joining in at, the, at this moment, uh, you're listening to Salt and Light Radio. I'm Pedro Guevara, man, and we're speaking with a 12-year-old pro-life speechwriter. I've given you a new title, Leah. Mm. Um, Leah and her mom, Kim. Um, Kim, let me ask you, um, what... So Leah went ahead with the, with the speech. She did compete at, in her classroom. Mm-hmm. And so what was the outcome of the situation? Well, her teacher actually ended up being so impressed with her speech that her teacher decided that she, could be, she should be considered to be the class winner. And even people in her classroom who didn't necessarily agree with her position uh, you know, thought that it was an awesome speech. And so there was a lot of support for her going on. And she had to go through a couple of loops. The teacher right. did in order to be able to have her declared the class winner because of the of the topic. Yeah, and I think during the process, one of the judges ended up stepping down, didn't even want to hear the really? speech. So that was kind of a difficult thing. But she did actually get declared the class winner. The class winner, and she went on to compete at the school level and also won. That's right. And moved on to the regional competition. That's correct. And so a lot of people got to listen to the speech. Thank God, yeah. Thank God. Leah? Mm-hmm. Are you still there? Can you read us the, a little bit of your speech, the beginning, maybe? What if I told you that right now someone was choosing whether you were going to live or die? What if I told you that this choice wasn't based on what you could or couldn't do, what you've done in the past, or what you would do in the future? And what if I told you you could do nothing about it? Fellow students and teachers, Thousands of children are right now in that situation. Someone is choosing, without even knowing them, whether they are going to live or die. That someone is their mother. And that choice is abortion. It's such a strong, strong and powerful beginning. Leah, when you did this in your, in your class with your, with your friends, your peers, or in your school, among your friends, what sort of response did you get from them? 
I kind of use some more mature uh, words in the speech, and so some of the kids didn't really react all that well to that. But most of them were pretty supportive, and okay, yeah. Um, uh, Kim, there's been 460,000 views on YouTube. I'm sure that um, the number is increasing every day. Um, what has been the response? Yeah, it's just been absolutely overwhelming. When we initially posted it, it was for our friends, you know, and we didn't make it private because we had more than 25 friends we wanted to send it to. So right. it, the response has been absolutely phenomenal. And, it, you know, it's 460000 on our particular version of it, but then I think there's multiple versions out there somewhere. Exactly, there are. Yeah, and so it's just been an international response. I mean, we have requests from the, the country of Malta, you know, to be able to have a DVD to distribute and requests from Spain to pr- have it on Spanish television. And, you know, daily we're getting, you know, messages from Ireland saying, you oh, know, we're behind you in Ireland. And recently wow. there was a request from Australia. So it's been all over. But you've also heard from, from people who've changed their mind yeah. about whether to have an abortion or not, correct? Yeah. So I think it has a kind of twofold thing. One is the obvious stirring up of people who are pro-life and and maybe kind of borderline to kind of maybe stand for the righteousness sake. But the other side of it, which has been absolutely phenomenal, is that people have actually decided not to have an abortion as a result of watching that video. And the message was, when we get those messages, it's just so exciting. It is, definitely. I mean, it it really, who cares about the competition? Exactly. uh, The real competition that matters is the one that you're you're running. Leah, maybe... If we can finish off by you reading the end of your speech, because okay. I love that ending. Thank you for taking time to think about the issue of abortion, to think about the unborn, and to think about the effects of abortion on the mother. If you walk away with anything after this speech, walk away with the words of Horton. You know him, that elephant that risked his life to save that little speck. Remember him and his famous quote. Even though you can't see them or hear them at all, a person's a person, no matter how small. Thank you. You are so welcome. You are such a courageous young woman, and and, uh, I'm so, so glad to have had the opportunity to speak to you um, and your your mom, Kim. I'm sure both your parents are are great parents. Um, Thank you so much for joining us today on Salt and Light Radio. Our pleasure, Pedro. Thank you. That was Leah and her mom, Kim, who joined us on the phone. If you'd like to comment on this issue, we'd love to hear from you. Our address is radio at saltandlighttv.org. You're listening to Salt and Light Radio on the Catholic Channel, Sirius 159 and XM 117. That was a clip from last February when I spoke to 12-year-old pro-life speaker Leah and her mom. I was recently on YouTube and saw that Leah's video has now been viewed over 800,000 times. And we got to finally meet Leah at the March for Life in Ottawa last May. She delivered her speech in front of a crowd of some 10,000 people in front of the Canadian Parliament buildings. Salt and Light Television broadcasted the event, and that clip is also on YouTube if you want to check it out. Last year was also a year of controversy in the Catholic Church with the Holy Father's visit to Africa and his comment about condoms being taken out of context, and the issue of development and peace here in Canada and the Edward Kennedy funeral. But there was another little controversy that had to do with theology of the body guru Christopher West after his appearance on ABC's Nightline. It's June 13th, and I can't keep my thoughts on this whole Christopher West thing to myself any longer. Okay, let me back up. Who's Christopher West, you ask? 
He's the guy who has made John Paul II's Theology of the Body accessible to everyone in the English-speaking world. His books, lectures, and workshops on the revolutionary theology of the body have brought thousands, maybe even hundreds of thousands, to more fully understand Catholic teaching on sex, marriage, love, and relationships. More than that, I'd say that thanks to Christopher West, hundreds of thousands are now living the theology of the body. I think JP2 would be pleased. And many were pleased when Christopher West was interviewed on ABC's Nightline several weeks ago. What better press than that? Except that after the interview aired, West had become the newest Catholic to be martyred at the hands of the secular media. The controversy? Well, partly, it was that Nightline claimed that West hailed both JP2 and Hugh Hefner as his heroes. Except Christopher West never said that. We don't know what he said because that part never aired. But... Those who've taken West's workshops are familiar with the whole Hugh Hefner bit. Christopher West says he feels sorry for Hugh Hefner and that he feels his pain. He does agree that Hefner was attempting to fill a void, except that he did it the wrong way. The right approach was the approach of John Paul II. There were a few other misquotes and a few more elements of the controversy, but here's my take. And I'm not an expert on Christopher West. I haven't read all his books, but I know my theology of the body quite well. Those who have read every book West has written, they know the truth. Those who are critical of him probably haven't read all his books. And if the scripture passage that says that by their fruits you will know them means anything, then Christopher West's work is sound. The fruits are many. I'm Pedro Guevara Man, and this is Salt and Light Radio. That was my opening commentary from last June about Christopher West's appearance on the show Nightline. Christopher West was in Canada for the Theology of the Body conference in October, and we spoke to him on Salt and Light Radio. You can podcast that interview at our website, saltandlighttv.org radio, in the archived interviews section. Actually, all our shows can be found on our website. We are reorganizing the website to make it easier to navigate so you can find all your favorite interviews and all the songs that we play on the program. Because another feature on Salt and Light Radio is that we always have a featured artist. And through the year, we spoke to pretty much every single Canadian Catholic artist. And I say artist, but I mean singer, songwriter, musician. But we also got to speak to many non-Canadian musicians who happened to be up in Canada for an event or concert. And one of our favorites was Sarah Hart. We spoke to her last May. I'm Mark Mallett, and you're listening to Salt and Light Radio on the Catholic Channel. Sirius 159 and XM 117. In a little bit, we'll be speaking with our featured artist of the week, Sarah Hart. Here she is with her song, Great and Wonderful.
That was Sarah Hart with Great and Wonderful from her new album, Saint Song, which will be out in the next couple of weeks. You're listening to Salt and Light Radio on the Catholic Channel, Sirius 159 and XM 117. Our website, saltandlighttv.org slash radio, and our email address is radio at saltandlighttv.org. Coming up, we'll look at what you have to say about Britain's Got Talent's Susan Boyle, but before that, when I was artistic director of World Youth Day 2002 and artists were sending in their applications for the youth festival, there were no CDs that captured me as completely as one titled Goodbye Jane from an unknown singer-songwriter from Nashville by the name of Sarah Hart. Since then, Sarah has become one of the superstars in the Catholic music scene. Five albums later, her music remains as powerful as ever. And I don't, I don't need to hide the fact that I'm a great fan and that I'm very happy to have Sarah with us today on Salt and Light Radio. Hello, Sarah. Hey, Pedro, how are you? <laughs> wow, you, nobody else sounds so happy to speak to me. I'm, I'm, I'm overjoyed. <laughs> I'm always happy to speak to you, oh, my brother. Oh, <laughs> I know, and I'm so happy you're coming finally to, uh, I know, to Canada. I know, I can't believe it. I, I was thinking today I better get my passport ready. I haven't... I don't know if it's expired or not. I'll, I'll figure it out. You need a passport, so uh, I'll be yes. very uh, devastated if you can't make it because you don't have a passport. Anyway, I know. we'll talk about that a little later because I want to go way, way back. When I first, yes. first heard your music, a little, uh, little, it wasn't even a CD. I think it was a tape that landed on my desk, Goodbye Jane. Yeah, that's, that's been a while ago. It, it was, and, I, and the reason why I'm bringing it up, not to, to date you or me, but it, it's because... Uh, not that it was bad, it was great. I think that's still my favorite album, but you're, you've grown so much since then. Yeah. Um, and, and I get the sense that when you were doing Goodbye Jane, you were in a different place. I, I, I don't know if I'm wrong with that. But oh, sure. So, yeah. so how, but how did this all start for you? Was that your first album, your first major? That was actually my first um, recording, my first major recording that I did. And um, it was such a great experience and yet such a learning experience, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, I Boy, I did a lot of growing through that album and uh, with that wonderful company I was with. Those were great people, Sovereignty. And, yeah. Um, you know, it's been, it, it, was a, it was a crazy thing and it happened very quickly and just one of those, okay, you got to be on your toes and you got to do it. So there wasn't a lot of time to think about it. In retrospect, I think that um, I, it was surprisingly fast and songs were just so much my heart at the time where I was. You know, I was 20, what, five, six years old? Yeah. So, um, you know, I've done a lot of growing since then. <laughs> and I think as you grow in your life, you grow in your songwriting, too, and you certainly grow in the content of the things that you want to write about. Yeah, now I listened to that album, and it doesn't, it doesn't scream at me, I'm a Catholic, or I'm yeah. a Catholic artist. So uh, did you think of yourself as... It's always hard because it's, I, I'm going to put it in quotes, Catholic artist or an artist that happens to be Catholic. Yeah, I I really so just um, love being a Catholic, hate the label. You know, I really feel like um, what I want to be known as first, at least in this part of my life, is simply an artist who happens to be a Catholic, you know. Right. Um, I think that God gives us our gifts, and some people are specifically, specifically called just to do Christian music, and some people are called to do not Christian music, and we're all called to different things, and... Um, so the label kind of bothers me because I think it limits people to what they might expect to hear. Um, most people, upon hearing Catholic music, as you know, are pretty presently surprised, right? Yes. They're, they're, pretty, they're pretty amazed at what they hear usually. So 
Um, there's a lot of great music out there, and I hope that most people will be looked at as artists and musicians who happen to love God and happen to be Catholic. And the fact that you're Catholic or, 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 or a Christian, or uh, I, I think, right. is irrelevant. Maybe this is a good segue, because you just told me that you you are now a what writer-in-residence or writer uh, for EMI? What, yeah, what's the I'm, title? Actually, I'm actually on staff now. I write for EMI and I write for Spirit and Song both. I'm co-published between the two companies. And so. EMI, specifically the, the Christian? Uh, yeah, the CMG division here in Nashville, yeah. Okay, so that means that you are, they might have another artist that they want to and, and ask you to write the song for that that kind of yeah. thing? Is that what that means? Yep, that's what, it, that's what it is, pretty much. I sit around and think of songs sometimes for myself, but mostly for other artists, for them, yeah. And how does that fit into, I guess, the way you see yourself and where you're going in your journey? You know what? It's great. Uh, honestly, it's been probably um, the best couple of years for me. Just in terms of the fact that I really, the writing journey has been the biggest part of the journey for me. And when I moved here to Nashville, I initially didn't think that I was really going to be a songwriter. And slowly, that picture started revealing itself to me, and it became such an overwhelming passion and love that I spent the better part of my life here writing and learning to write and be a good writer. And so um, to see it really now with so many songs under my belt and good cuts, it's been it's been really beautiful to see that. I, I mean, if, if I could spend the next 20 years just writing, that would make me very happy. Really? Good. <laughs> yeah. Well, then, yeah. <laughs> that's nice because you're a good writer. Um <laughs> Just a note for anyone that might be joining the program at this point, you're listening to Salt and Light Radio. I'm Pedro Guevara Man, and we're speaking with Sarah Hart. She's our featured artist of the week. Um, you have had some of your music uh, on TV shows. Mm -hmm. um, you do work with the National Children's, Children's Theater. Yes. You've written two musicals. Um, how does that, again, to maybe not, not to ask the same question again, but do you struggle then with, with this should I write songs for Jesus? <laughs> uh, should I just just be a good Christian and, and do music? You know what right. I mean? Right. Yeah, I do. And it's a great question. And you know what? I don't. I don't struggle at all. Because really, first of all, um, I know what my own morality is, and I know what my own spirituality is, mm -hmm. and I know when I'm writing something that I think makes me uncomfortable, and I wouldn't go there. Okay. I wouldn't entertain that. So... For me, it's about choosing the things that I know are going to leave a positive mark, and that's just who I am, and that's what I'm going to do. Um, but when I'm doing any of this stuff, you know, I don't ever think about, like, that I have to be writing about God or for God or to God, because I certainly don't feel that way. No. I feel like what God's given me to use, I just need to be using it for good, for right. the good of the world, and to leave this world better than I found it. And um, I really believe that that's a lot of gifting and calling, you know, it's just using the gifts that God gave us in a positive way for, for making a positive world while we're here for this temporary place, you know. And that, even without saying the word God or Jesus in the lyric, that is advancing the kingdom of God. Yeah, exactly. So the fact that it's, uh, we don't have to be writing love songs to Jesus no. for it to be Christian music or, or music that, that moves people closer to God. Absolutely. I mean, some of the most spiritual moments I've had have been listening to secular music. Yeah, I'm sure that true. there are a lot of people that would say the same thing. It's know? true, true, true. Well, yeah. um, uh, let's talk about the, your association with Spirit and Song then. Yeah. Because the work that you do with them, I think, is would be would you say it's different than what you're being asked to do for EMI? And especially, I'm um, thinking about the new album, Saint Song. 
Yeah, yeah. Well, the new album, um, the new album was really an interesting thing for me. It's sort of part thesis, part record. <laughs> there was a lot of research that went into it. Um, okay. We're, we're following um, Lectio Divina, which uh-huh. is um, the Rebuslan Reflect, and we're following that as a, as a guideline. And I wrote a devotional book that goes with the CD. Oh, Robert really? Fiducia edited it for me, and it's all on the CD, so it's an enhanced CD, basically. And every song on the record is newly written based on writings of the saints. So it's it's really interestingly done. Um, but when you hear it, you wouldn't think, oh, this is just a Catholic record. You know, you really wouldn't. Um, they're very modern, contemporary Christian sort of songs that just happen to be set to some of the most brilliant saint writings of all time. Okay, so let, let's just look at some examples, because we've, we've heard two, two of your songs already on the program, Restless, and of course I'm thinking, you know, Restless, uh, our hearts are restless until they... Yeah, mm-hmm. um, yep. And that's yep. St. Augustine. That one is St. Augustine, uh-huh. Okay, so uh, Great and Wonderful also? Yeah, Great and Wonderful is actually, what I love about Great and Wonderful is that these are actually um, words from St. Francis. Uh-huh. And what I love about it is that everybody knows the prayer of St. Francis and utters the prayer of St. Francis all yeah. the time. But he actually had a lot of really brilliant other writings attributed to him, and this is one of them. Uh-huh. And so it's really kind of nice to be able to bring something else by St. Francis out into the light of day. Neat. And then uh, just after the interview, I'm going to play On the Way. What's that one about? Well, On the Way was sort of, it, it was sort of backwards. I actually wrote this song with um, another friend of mine and an artist that we were writing with. And I had this idea and brought it in. And when we finished the song, I was like, boy, I love this song. You know? <laughs> Sometimes it happens when you're writing for other artists. You're yes. like, darn it, I want to do that song. So I asked this person if they would mind if I put it on my record, too. And, of course, they said, no problem. And so it ended up being the first song on my record. And really, um, it's a great it's just a great song about approaching sainthood. You know, that for all of us, approaching sainthood is about the earthly journey mm-hmm. and what we do on the way and what we learn on the way and how we treat others and love one another and love ourselves and love God on the way. And so it really became sort of just this, um, this little saintly, you know, doing these things on the way and God with us. That's great. And, you know, it's a great message that I think is not specific to Christians or, you know, it's like we're all oh, no. called to holiness and... Yes, we are, and, and, and we're be, all journeying. And to and journey, we're all yes. Journeying different ways. Neat, Sarah. We're almost out of time, but tomorrow is Mother's Day, and I, I didn't want to leave you without because you're oh, you're very proud. You're you're one of the people that I know that's so proud about. You know, I'm a mother, and I have two daughters, and and uh, that's such yes. a huge part of your life, and it really influences who you are. And um, yeah, uh, how has motherhood changed your life? Well, you know, I think every mom out there would agree with me when you, you know, I think it's one of the greatest gifts that God has um, for people who are called to that vocation of marriage. And it's when you hold that child for the first time, you just realize how much the world is not about you. Hmm. And it really opens your eyes to a world of what we need to be for others and not just our children, but for everyone in the world, that life is sacrificed. Life is giving, and life is loving unconditionally when it's difficult. And I think that's what I've learned most about being a mother is, boy, I don't care about me. Hmm. <laughs> All of a sudden it becomes about somebody else, and that is just a really beautiful thing. It's, it's sort of, you know, what Christ did for us. He came to this earth to show us that it wasn't about Him. It was about us. He loved us. And I think that's sort of what parenting teaches us, too, love and sacrifice. 
Very true. Thank you so much, Sarah. It's been so great to speak to you and to have you on the show. It's been so great to talk to you, too. I've missed you. God, I know. Eh? Come I, on. Know. I know. Nashville's too far. I know. Well, um, I'll see you soon. Yeah, yeah, hopefully. And, and we'll certainly be pumping up that on the show. So July 18th, you'll be here at the Martyr yeah. Shrine for the uh, Toronto Archdiocese on Youth Rally. Um, thank you so much. Hey, thank you. Take care. Love. God bless. Yeah, and have a happy Mother's Day. That was singer-songwriter Sarah Hart, our featured artist of the week. Here now is Sarah's song, On the Way, from her upcoming new album, Saint Song.
You're listening to Salt and Light Radio. I'm Pedro Guevara Man, and that was Sarah Hart with her song, On the Way. To find out more about Sarah and her music, go to her website, sarahhartmusic.com. And rem- that was a conversation I had with Sarah Hart last May. Sarah came up to the Toronto Archdiocesan Youth Rally in Midland, Ontario in July, and Salt and Light Television was there. I interviewed Sarah for our TV show, Catholic Focus. That interview is available on the Catholic Focus webpage at saltandlighttv.org, and the concert aired on Salt and Light Radio. Can I just say that we love Sarah Hart? My name is Pedro Guevara Man. You're listening to a special New Year's recap edition of Salt and Light Radio. We're playing some of our favorite interviews from last year. Another issue that was in the forefront of Catholic news in Canada last year was a bill that was reintroduced in Parliament that would legalize assisted suicide and euthanasia. A Canadian member of Parliament, Steve Fletcher, who is a quadriplegic, announced that he would abstain from voting on the bill. Here is my opening commentary on the matter. This past week, Steve Fletcher, Member of Parliament for the Winnipeg area riding of Charleswood St. James Assiniboia, who is a quadriplegic, announced that he will abstain from voting on the Right to Die Bill, C-384, which is currently going to its second reading in the House of Commons. This bill would allow people with terminal illness and those in severe, untreatable physical or mental pain to qualify for medical assistance to hasten their deaths. Even though the bill states that the patient would have to be over 18 years old, would have to be lucid, and has to request death on two occasions, and the doctor would have to get the opinion of a second physician, critics say it is too broad and any such law would lead to the slippery slope that would make certain people more vulnerable. Now this is not new information, and it is exactly the disabled community that feels most threatened by euthanasia and assisted suicide. This is why Mr. Fletcher's comments on the matter carry special weight. Mr. Fletcher has said that he supports euthanasia, but believes people should be helped to choose life. I don't get it. Does he not understand that once the law says that killing is okay under certain circumstances, people's attitudes will begin to change? If the law says it's okay, then it must be okay. And that's where the slippery slope begins. We can predict a future where killing will be acceptable as an appropriate response to pain or whenever anyone feels inconvenienced. Mr. Fletcher has admitted that, after the car crash that left him paralyzed, had he had a choice because the pain was so unbearable, he would have ended his life. But it was the support of his family and community that carried him through and gave him the hope he needed to continue. His successful career as a federal cabinet minister is proof that all people are valuable and that many, despite physical barriers, can lead a very productive life. He is a symbol of hope for the disabled community. Mr. Fletcher says that he is abstaining from the vote in order to encourage dialogue. I see it as a cop-out. If he believes people should be helped to choose life and that the bill is too broad, then he should vote against it and be glad that euthanasia was not legal at the time of his accident or he would not be here today to be having this conversation. I'm Pedro Guevara Man, and this is Salt and Light Radio. That was my opening commentary from the November 7th edition of Salt and Light Radio. That's the program you're listening to. We air every Saturday at 10 p.m. Eastern, 7 Pacific on the Catholic Channel, Sirius 159 and XM 117. And we'd podcast at saltandlighttv.org slash radio. Our email address is radio at saltandlighttv.org. We love your mail. 
My name is Pedro Guevara Man, and we're listening to some of our favorite interviews from last year. Probably one of my personal favorites was a conversation I had with Reverend Dale Lang, who lost his son at a school shooting and who is a wonderful witness to all of us on forgiveness and restorative justice. You're listening to Salt and Light Radio on the Catholic Channel, Sirius 159 and XM 117. At the same time that Americans were focusing on the events at the Columbine High School in Colorado in 1999, Canada was quietly having its own Columbine incident in Tabor, Alberta. 17-year-old Jason Lang was shot dead by a 14-year-old boy who opened fire inside the W.R. Myers High School. Since then, Jason's father, Reverend Dale Lang, has devoted much of his time traveling the country to talk about this tragedy and how they've dealt with it. Reverend Lang joins us now on the phone. Welcome, Dale. Thank you. Thanks for coming on to the program. Um, can you take us back to the moment when you heard that there had been a shooting at your son's school? Yeah, we, uh, we really didn't hear that there was a shooting at our son's school. We got a phone call um, uh, at our home to tell us that our son was uh, in the emergency unit and that it was a very serious circumstance. We didn't know what it was. So we immediately rushed to the hospital, and upon arriving at the hospital at the emergency unit, the uh, we were told that he had been shot, which, of course, was unbelievably shocking news to us at that point in time. Right. And then we asked, you know, where he was, uh, not expecting to hear that he had been shot in our little quiet small-town school, but the, the answer came back, yeah, he was shot at school. Okay, so as you found out that, that who the shooter had been... Um, what sort of feelings were uh, rising up inside of you? Well, you know, uh, even before I knew the name of the shooter in the hospital, after uh, we were, uh, at the time we got to the hospital, uh, they were still trying to save Jason's life. So we had to wait a while, and then when they came out and told us that he had, had not made it, um, and after having spent some time in that room with uh, with his body, we... I came out of the room and got very angry, yes. uh, just walking back and forth. I didn't know the name of the shooter. And my anger wasn't directed at him necessarily, nor at God, just that my son was gone, which was so unjust and so wrong. Yeah. Um, so I didn't direct my anger at him, but I did have anger at that time. Thankfully, God's grace was more than sufficient to take me out of that place, and I actually never went back to feeling angry again. Now, it's normal, uh, of course, to feel the anger and, and even hatred or, or to want justice or, or even some people, I guess, to want revenge. Sure. Um, but you just mentioned g the word grace. Right. And now, I think that intellectually, I think, because of who you are, you would have been able to quite easily say, well, I'm called to forgive. But where does grace fall into? Because one thing is to, to know that we're called to forgive, and the other thing is to actually feel, uh, to, to yeah, let go. Yeah, it, it, you know, you don't, in in, the, in terrible moments of uh, great pain, you don't uh, you don't sit down and you know say, well, how should I respond? Yes. Um, it, it it becomes a reaction out of who you are as a person, out of your heart. And uh, for me, uh, that reaction, because I had uh, been. Uh, a Christian for at that time twenty some odd years, mm -hmm. um, I was able to, I think, uh, by God's grace again, respond uh, not out of anger but out of uh, out of compassion. Now, not only did you respond 
out of compassion, but you became a bit of a leader in, in I guess, leading the whole school community, particularly in, in, in terms of that response. Um, and you spent a great deal of the last 10 years taking this message across the country. Now, why, at the expense of being obvious, but why is it, imp it's an important message, but why is it so important that we, that you spend so much time letting people know? Well, I didn't, you know, I never chose that. Uh, people started phoning within days of my son's death asking me to come and speak because we had begun to talk, I think, with God's compassion and also we, of course, forgave the boy who killed our son. Mm -hmm. um, so I've never sought to speak anywhere. And uh, this is all, I, I, as it began to happen, I really believed it would be a very short time frame that I would go out and speak a few times and then once we were no longer news, you know, that that would fade away. But right. here we are 10 years later, and I'm still being asked to speak. And I guess the only answer I have is that the issue is critical. It's um, it's an issue we all struggle with, you know, how to deal with the hurts of life and how do we deal with uh, getting wounded by other people. It is a critical issue that we all face on a virtually daily basis. Mm -hmm. So the significance of the issue seems to keep on bringing me to places to speak, and uh, and that's what keeps happening at this point in time. Yeah. Now, just a note for anyone that might be joining the program at this time, you're listening to Salt and Light Radio. I'm Pedro Guevara Man, and we're speaking to Reverend Dale Lang, whose son was uh, shot dead at a, at a school shooting incident in Tabor, Alberta, in 1999. Um, now, I I is that why you became involved in the restorative justice movement? I, I guess it sort of happened afterwards, right? Well, you know, one of the groups that uh, has asked me uh, on a number of occasions to come and speak is restorative justice. And, of course, the reason for that is because restorative justice really is all about the idea of uh, rescuing or uh, seeing um, people who have offended to, to come into a, a healthier place in their own lives, to, to be healed so that they don't keep on offending and hurting other people. Right. And so uh, my story fits, obviously, right into that sort of thinking. Now, uh, for people that might be hearing that term for the first time, restorative justice, um, so you've explained it in terms of the offender to, so that they can come to, to wholeness, and sometimes our criminal justice system is not that doesn't put that <laughs> at the top of the list, but doesn't it also have to do with the people, the victims, and the victims' families to also come in uh, to be able sure, to reach us? Yeah, there's a whole understanding of, of bringing uh, victims and uh, perpetrators together when possible and working through uh, feelings and uh, circumstances, hopefully to bring healing to everybody involved. There's no question that that's also a part of the equation for the restorative justice model, that to, to just to see everybody involved uh, come to a place of peace and, and resolution. Now, is it true that the Canadian criminal justice system is involving as much as possible this idea of restorative justice when possible? Yeah, you know, I'm not an expert on that end of things. I, I, don't, I don't spend a lot of time in the, in the criminal justice system. I think that there is, uh, I think the restorative justice movement has, you know, uh, helped the, the system move in that direction in some ways. Um, it's a very large thing, the whole criminal justice system, and yes. I don't know exactly, you know, where it sits right now in terms of its its mandate and where it wants to head. It's obvious, it seems, that if you can uh, help people um, stop reoffending, mm -hmm. that that's going to make a huge difference in the country because we continue to hear in our news of of people who have been caught again and reoffended again, usually over the same or similar issues. Yeah. 
So if there's a way in which we can find a way to to see people set free from that behavior, then obviously Mm -hmm. that's a huge thing for all of us. Yeah, that's a nice way to put it in terms of freedom, to be set free, because we all need to be set free. Um, Maybe if you can leave us with, with some advice. There might be some of our listeners who are struggling because they've been hurt or they've been victimized or they've lost a, a loved one and they're struggling with what at least if they're you know the Christian belief tells them that they should forgive and they're not able to come to that what uh, what maybe not advice but what words do you have for them yeah I yeah you're right I don't I don't tell people how to feel or, or what to do I, I can only share with them that when when I was able to by God's grace choose to forgive the boy who killed our son I began to understand after a while that it was a place of new freedom for me. Mm-hmm. That once I let go of anger and, 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 and I let the walls come down, because generally when we hurt, we're hurt, we build walls to prevent people from hurting us more. When we do that, then the Lord promises to come in and, and begin the process of healing us that will bring us to a place of freedom. Forgiving is not easy. Sometimes it's very difficult. Sometimes it's a process that takes a, a, a while. But um, my definition of forgiveness is very simple. When you can think about or look at a person who's hurt you deeply and still feel peace inside yourself, Mm -hmm. you've probably arrived at a place of forgiveness and you've been set free. Yeah. Dale, thank you so much for speaking to us today and thank you for your your courage and your leadership in this, uh, with this important uh, message. Well, thank you for uh, calling me and uh, have a great day. You too. Thanks. Bye. That was a conversation we had with Reverend Dale Lang, whose son Jason was killed in a school shooting in Tabor, Alberta in 1999. And that's about all the time we have. We've been listening to a special year-end recap of Salt and Light Radio featuring some of our favorite interviews of 2009. And there is so much more. If you want to listen to others, please go to saltandlighttv.org slash radio. Click on the archived interviews link. At that website, you can also listen to full programs as every show we do is archived there. You can also send us messages to radio at saltandlighttv.org. You can read our blog at saltandlighttv.org slash blog. And you can join our fan page on Facebook. Next week, we return to our regular programming. Chris Dimitrenko will be here. So will Mary Rose Bacani. We will speak to inspirational speaker and author John Kuypers about communication in marriages, something that is very relevant and important, so be sure to tune in. Remember to keep us in your prayers as we cannot do what we do without your support. On behalf of our whole team here at Salt and Light, Happy New Year and a blessed 2010 to all of you. We have time for one more song. Here's another of our favorite artists. He is a Maltese seminarian living in Australia, Robert Galea. You may remember him from one of our specials from last year. So to commemorate our priests on this year for priests, let's end with Robert's song, What a Day. Robert will be ordained to the diaconate this year, so let's also keep him and all our seminarians in our prayers. Thank you for being with us. My name is Pedro Guevara Man. This is Salt and Light Radio, and here now again to take us out is Robert Galea with What a Day. Bye.
Just to see you face to face The day I see your glory